Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on. I want to talk about inequality of ability. Because a few months ago, we did a podcast, Inequality of Opportunity, from a from a subscriber, actually. That was a very fruitful conversation and a fun podcast. I enjoyed that one. I enjoyed the discussion on that. But I've been thinking a little bit mm. about inequality of ability mm. because the conversation around opportunity is, okay, we should try and maximize the, the equality of opportunity for everyone out there. But I was just thinking about, let's, let's just imagine this thought experiment, a given society where everyone has perfectly equal opportunity. Now, obviously, this isn't entirely possible, but the way they're brought up as children, it, just everything, it's, it's identical. Everyone has the exact same opportunities. That's not going to result in equal outcome. Mm. There's going to be a huge range of ability there. And that ability is going to coalesce among a few people if it's not regulated. If the if the results of that ability is not regulated or there isn't a culture telling those people with extraordinary ability to at least maybe share some of those consequences of that ability. Uh, and so how do we just grapple with the fact that humans are just so unequal so unequal so that even if there is an equal there is this perfect utopia where everyone has the opportunity to be whatever they want to be and no one's given an unfair advantage other than just their inherent genetics and proclivities and behavioral choices and those choices are shaped by the environment sure but again in this hypothetical situation the environment is exactly the same what do you do with that? What do you do with the fact that some human beings, without sounding too crass, are just are, are, are stupid? Can't, even if they were to work as hard, even if they were given the same opportunity as other people, they would not be able to achieve certain things that the average, the person with an average intellect or just a, a sort of average work ethic might be able to achieve. And then, And then what do you... When you look at that one generation in advance, well, there's certain people who have probably been attracted to mates with a similar level of ability and achievement in this perfectly equal society who have then uh, bred children that are born into a privileged position because they've just happened to be born to two parents that have unequal ability compared to everyone else on an upper end of that ability spectrum. And then you're back into square one. It's an unequal society. It is an unequal society. That's definitely true. I think that the thing that... Look, ability is unquestionably... There are going to be people that are just more adept at things. I think there's two things that are happening here that should be bred out, though. Is One is... Okay, for instance, why the fuck does a day trader make more than a fireman? You know? Like, there's just no way that they are of more use to society than other jobs. Um, that's one thing that I think could definitely help is at least... Like, see, this is the whole thing. It's just money pools into making more money for the sake of making more money, which is something that is 
you know, horrific. And also on top of that, like those people aren't the smartest people in society anyway. You know, like a mathematician is probably much, much smarter than a day trader. Um, that's something that needs to be ironed out. I think the other thing as well is it's not so much aiming for equality of outcome when you're even talking about the equality outcome. I think it's just this. It's like trying to somehow breed out selfishness as much as possible. And that's something else that you can't really get rid of. But I think that it should not be this argument of like, you know, ability. I think that that's like part of the, the, it's, it's definitely more of the equation is yes, there's going to be people that are going to be better in every way. Does that necessarily mean that they shouldn't be paying taxes and that they should be earning, you know, 50 times what their workers are earning? I don't think that that's the case. It's just no way on earth that even if they're twice as smart, they should be earning 50 times as much. And I think that that's just something that you kind of just have to train into people or something. Like getting rid of that same level of entitlement that is always the argument of people on the dole and stuff. And I do agree with that. I think that there's definitely like, you know, I, I, I think that the dole is a thing that needs to happen in a society, but you shouldn't be making, and I always make this point on myself up channel, you shouldn't be making an identity out of it and you shouldn't feel entitled to it. You should be grateful that it exists in whatever capacity it is. If it needs to be increased or whatever, that's another thing that you can talk about. But you personally, it is that same mentality there that if you were a billionaire, I always think this when I hear people that kind of just like complain about it because I was on the dole as well and I felt like ashamed of it and I wanted to get off it so I could contribute. But I think that that mentality has shaped with me. Whereas if you, and this is the thing, I know people that used to be millionaires that wasted all of their money and they're on the dole and they still have that Oof, Millionaires mentality. to the dole. Ugh. It was a thing in my school. My school was sad. filled with some fucked people. Just, really was. That's just sad. Uh, but that mentality okay. takes you places, right? So that's what I'm saying. It's like if you're a billionaire. Can I just. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go so far as to even say the fact that there is inequality in the society actually gives people a boon against the complete destruction of their self-esteem if they are in the lower rungs of society. Because if you are, say, on the dole or, you know, part of a lower socioeconomic class, you think, oh, well, you know, the, the cunts at the top are fucked or like, society is unfair anyway. Whereas if you lived in this, again, hypothetical, it's never actually going to exist. But hypothetically, perfectly, equal, perfect a society with perfectly equal opportunity and you then still end up in those lower rungs of society, you're, there is no excuse then. You actually do have to accept the fact that, wow, I'm actually really at the bottom in terms of ability. And then there's a question about, well, why are we sort of judging people based on their socioeconomic status and whatever their you know given profession may be? Because that metric of, okay, social mobility it does still instill this idea within a populace that, okay, you're, you should be aiming to get to a certain professional level. Now, for some people, that's a good... That's, that's, that's fodder for manifesting the, uh, the, best, uh, the, the, the best output they can possibly create. And 
it can be a good thing. It can be very motivational and something like I think personal responsibility. It's great. I think for people like you and me, I'd, I'd assume for a lot of people who are listening to this podcast because it's usually people who are quite naturally gifted and endowed with likely a higher intellect and they're maybe not utilizing that to the best of their capability. So then they can adopt a mantra of personal responsibility and say, well, okay, now that I'm a bit more disciplined, I've now been able to achieve what I'm truly capable of. And as a result, everyone should just adopt that and society would be a lot better. But I I think there is just a large portion of people that even if they were to take as much radical responsibility in their life as possible, sure, maybe that improve their basic conditions a little bit, but there are always going to be people, I suppose, at the bottom. And, you know, in those lower rungs of society, the fact that it's even tiered is, well, you could you could make the argument that it's, it's, it's problematic because why should, you know, the ability for people to sort of transcend social classes and move be a marker of how effective uh, some of the, you know, pu- public measures to equalise the opportunity for everyone be when we should be valuing every role in society equally in terms of its dignity and its and its sort of necessity. But you can never really you, you can never iron out total inequality in, in in a given society because there are just some people that, like you said previously, where okay, money begets more money and it will sort of coalesce because when you have capital, it's very easy to then just accumulate more capital. And that's sure that that is the, the, the system we currently live under. But also that principle, the Pareto principle is evident in, in other societies with other uh, economic foundations governing the, the, the laws of that society where, you know, power usually just is the best way to accumulate more power. Even when we talk about something as, rudimentary and simple as pickup or whatever confidence is usually what is the best strategy to gain more confidence and more success uh similarly i would i would guess if you're a very intelligent person and you just have an aptitude for learning things quickly and you have a high social intelligence and you can sort of bring people together and 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 have them sort of understand your vision and get behind that and work for you in in that sense Okay, okay, that's the best strategy that, to then accumulate more ability and, and accumulate more power and, and all the other sort of consequences that come from that. So do you think it's like fruitless to, to, to yearn for this? What it, it seems like many people might be looking for, which is this utopia where if, you know, if it's this perfectly equal opportunity society, everyone can live out their dreams and achieve whatever they want to achieve. And do you think that's maybe also a cause of some of the sort of dismay and the, the the mental health problems that Gen Y and Gen Z are facing because they were promised, hey, look, if you just work hard, you can be whatever you want to be, you can achieve your dreams when, well, no, like not everyone can probably, it, it depends what your dreams are. If your dreams are purely just in sort of, in a, you know, through some, some sort of career uh, goal, not everyone can be a CEO, can be a leader, can be their own boss, can do all these things that are, you know, stereotypical career dreams. A lot of people have to do jobs that many people would perceive as menial and laborious. But 
needs to be done. That's definitely true. People do need to do that. You're right. There is definitely a stigma created in our two generations of Z and Y. The different stigmas, though. I think that. I think we were taught something different to what Gen Z was taught. Um, where do you? But like, okay, so so if you're saying that, then where where, where do you uh? Where do you take it if it's like this? If 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 you have this idea that everybody should be given dignity in what they're given. Well, I don't know. That's why I wanted to do this podcast. I don't know, but I just can't help but feel that. Well, I think that the, this is the other thing. Is like, look, I think that always, as, as, as is always the case, I think that what... I just think human society, just really quickly, will always trend towards a very unequal society and you need to do a lot of work to prevent that from being stifling for the overall progress of society now whether that's inequality and in, in, you know in a very corrupt oligarchy a government oligarchy a monarchy or a, you know these small businesses or sorry when i say small like a handful of major corporations uh small group of businesses and at what point do the efforts in alleviating that inequality actually just become detrimental to the overall health of society? And is it just a, a fact that we have to, rather than trying to mitigate against uh, moderate inequality, we actually, we actually have to come to terms with the fact that there will always be inequality and we should instead create a code of ethics around that inequality in order to ensure everyone has a certain level of dignity and worth. Yeah, but do you agree with this, though? Should everybody in... Obviously, everybody in society should have be given opportunity, though. Yeah, yeah, of course. We should take reasonable steps to 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 equalise opportunity uh, as much as possible. But it can never be truly equal... And then, when you actually e- and then when you equalise that, there's still going to be people. I just don't, you know, okay, you get, let's move towards equality of opportunity in that 80% of the population has a pretty equal opportunity to do whatever they want to do, uh, pursue their passions, their dreams, their goals. There's still going to be some people who are shit at whatever their passion is, comparatively. It's just a statistical truth. There's going to be people who are in the bottom 10% of whatever field they're in. Yes, but I can guarantee you this. When people are at the bottom 10% of the field that they're in, uh, they are not suited to it. They're not suited to it. I don't know. They are driven. I truly think that's the case, man. Like, if you are... So, do you think there's a field for everyone where they can be in, say, what, the top 50% of that field, no matter what? I honestly do think that. I think that everybody has inbuilt abilities that other people don't have. Like, even when I look at my dumber friends, they have skills that I don't have. For instance, they might be extremely good with their hands. They might be a really good green thumb. They might just have, like, a much better personality than I have. And I might be more intelligent than them. Uh, But 
you know, like put me in a bar situation or something like that and I'm not going to be the life of the party like they are. They, they, they have certain skills that if they were able to just intelligently manufacture them somehow and put them in some little separate situation, uh, that they would be really successful financially at it. But even then, like we're okay. even talking about like Jim's mowing, for instance, right? Sure, but let the, then society as a whole, there'll still be a bottom ten percent of. There'd be the lower, you know, the lowest socioeconomic rung there. Oh yeah. Even but, when everyone's t- taking advantage of their innate abilities as much as humanly possible. But that's what I'm saying. I think that there is a huge waste of human potential just in the fact that I think that most people don't even try to take advantage of their inherent skills and talents in life. And I think that most people, sadly, aren't even conscious of them. So how could you if you aren't even aware of what your talents are? Joe, I agree with that. But there is still a point to which... So in in, in insofar as where tr- it, it, you, people are trying to engender the best possible outcome for each individual who might not be conscious of those given talents, that's a good thing to talk about and to and to encourage... But there are some people who even with that message and even becoming conscious of whatever gifts they seemingly have will still have a much lower ceiling than other people. What, what do you mean by ceiling? Uh, maximum a- output, maximum skill level, maximum uh, you know responsibility load that they can bear without... Just with it, while still being competent, right? Okay, so the amount of economic productivity that they could do is limited in comparison to somebody else. Like it's, it's they're just going to be able to produce less than somebody else. Sure. Yeah, we can say that. Yeah. Yep. Everyone has a very different ceiling. Yes, they do have a very different ceiling. And 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 there'd be a trend. There'd be an exponential trend there. I think where like the top percentage of people their ceilings would just be so high compared to others because they i think they'd then have an ability to organize other people around them and, and overall create a much greater output that's also true but but in I think like with everything else, right? Like everything in life is uh, an unattainable goal that you just keep getting better at if you so choose to do. Mm-hmm. Now, a good start, obviously, when you're talking about an equal society. This is such a fucking funny... This is a side note. I'll get to it in a second. But like, uh, you know, the fact that under the Liberals, uh, Australia had... Uh, the most privatised school system in the world and uh, private funding for schools went up sixfold. So every six dollars that, uh, for every dollar in public funding that went up under the Liberals, there was six dollars pumped into the private school system. That's a very bad way to start with equalising a society if you are deliberately underfunding public schools and deliberately overfunding private schools and like it's just a thing of like dude if you want a private school go make a private school but don't expect public money for a fucking scots college 
Like, they should not be getting a dime of public money. It's a scandal. I agree. I agree with you there, totally. Uh, but let's say that we... Well, let's even say that we totally socialise education so that it's all standardised everywhere. Every student gets... I mean, obviously, there's going to be a different ability in the teachers they get and things like that. But as much as possible, everyone gets the same opportunity in the educational system. 20 years after graduation, there are going to be some people who have just performed far better than others, even with that same opportunity. Don't, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And then how do you then reconcile with the consequences of that? That I guess it's, is my, it's that's a my very, question. It's a very simple self-help principle. Then it comes down to the individual, and it really is, that you cannot compete with other people. Other people, just as what we were saying before, other people are going to have skill in a very specific area that for whatever freak reason we are in this time, this is a part of my stand-up show, I'm obviously giving it away, it comes to my show, but like, dude, the fact that John Hopawate is a rich man because it's purely because he was able to put it up the bum. Like, he was a, you would know more of this. He was an okay player. He was okay. But, like, did he really command that level of money? It was honestly just because he was able to just go, like, that. Like, he was good at doing that one skill. I think he, as far as I'm aware, he moved into boxing and I think he has a few other businesses. I don't think it's just because he fingered people. That is rich. <laughs> but that I mean, was sure, a there's, equation yeah, there's, okay, there's, there's name recognition, sure. There's but I don't, I don't know if that's just pure chance. I don't know if that's... I mean, it's not just like, pure chance. Like, he did something freaky <laughs> yeah, that yeah, attracted yeah. headlines that even some dunce like me that doesn't know anything about NRL knows the name John Hopper. Okay, Wyden. but when you look at something like the media and you talk about brand recognition and things like that, what often happens is certain people who are known, well-known and established command a higher pay packet for a given appearance or a, 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 uh, an acting gig or whatever it may be. And as a result, they just continue to garner a lot of attention and they continually uh, increase their prominence and their profile. So it's very hard to then break into that world. So it's not, it, it, you know, there's no equality there when it's just, it's not free there, of course, but uh, success just sort of creates more success. That's also a self-help principle, right? You get on a roll, you get that momentum going. Yeah. But, you know, that's not an equal opportunity then for the other person who's trying to break into whatever John Hapuati's doing. He doesn't have that same name recognition, brand establishment as John Hapuati would. Yeah. And But John Hopper, this is what I'm saying, right? Like, it's just, okay, that was a freak accident. You can't control for that. That was a weird variable in human history that that man is a millionaire for fingering other men. Like, it's just, it's so strange. Right. It's really bizarre. You can't equate for that. That's just there. That does not excuse you for, like, being, and as I was saying before, you can be more skilled in something else and earn less money. And there'll be people that are much more valuable to society that like a thing that i'm always railing about a true tragedy of the last 10 years was all of these phd scientists that had to go overseas for jobs and are unemployed in australia right now like a, a true waste of a generation's brains absolute tragedy that's another thing that like is just a you know a, a, a society that has its priorities upside down Having said all of that, and so obviously they're not going to make as much as a real estate agent or a trader or anything like that, you really have to like remove yourself from 
the fact that other people are going to be making more money just because they have ability in a very specific area that you had. Like Neil, for instance, with you, I know that you try to look after your finances. I know that you are somewhat conscious, albeit dimly in comparison to others, of stocks, but it doesn't excite you. It doesn't get your juices going. So you're not going to spend 12 hours a day looking at Forex and just being like, oh, yeah, it's up. You know, like it doesn't get you going. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be someone else that does, and they're going to be much, much wealthier than you are in your life. Yeah, but again, coming back to the point where if everyone just pursued their passion and spent uh, a significant amount of their time perfecting their skills in that area, there will still, it'll just be a statistical reality. Everyone who is in that given field mm. will still have some form of, you know, measurement or strata. They will be stratified to a, to a degree where there will be a bottom 10%, there will be a top 10%, and that top 10% will probably have an excessive amount of the, con- the rewards. And I'm not just talking about money here and financial rewards. I actually think status is actually more valuable than money, particularly mm. right now, where, as you say, there's just a lot of... Most people, I think, have caught on to the fact that, okay, simply being rich doesn't immediately mean you are... Uh, you- you're clever in some uh you're clever to a degree relative to your excessive wealth it doesn't necessarily mean that similarly though you may have a lot of influence and status and that doesn't necessarily mean you're gifted um in a way that's sort of commensurate to that to that level of status right but the point is there's just always going to be there's going to be a status hierarchy. There's going to be, as much as we you can tell everyone, don't compare yourself to others. I think it is so embedded into our consciousness as social beings, as just mammals. I, I think there will always be some kind of unconscious measurement that you are that you are performing um, compared to the people around you, and. Even that in itself, people who are probably high status are going to then attract more status because there'd be a sort of inherent magnetism of that status and they would then have the confidence and the self-esteem that comes with that and that would just help them along their way. Mm. Mm. And unless you're like constantly trying to sort of equalise the outcome, you can't you know, you can't escape the consequences of the vast range of human capability. Mm. So now, okay, so it's not just monetary. It is also the fact that some people are just going to have better character traits than other people. Uh, yeah, be- better in the sense is uh, character More traits magnetic. that can uh, that can create a, gre- a greater output. And I'm not just talking about economic output there. I guess, you know, social output... Influence people, inspiring others. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but, but, okay, here's the proviso, right? Like Mm. when we were talking before about actors and we were saying that Jack Nicholson is very charismatic despite the fact he's pretty much the exact opposite of Brad Brad Pitt. Like looks eccentric and weird, is eccentric and weird, somehow just as drawing as, as Brad Pitt. What's that? What? There's still what something saying? there that's like, and it's actually what I was talking about before with comedians. Um, okay, I was saying. Huh? It's just okay. Okay, you go on, then I'll say. 
Mm. Well, it was the same with George Barker. It was when he started talking about COVID, I tuned out. It's not his thing. And it was the same with Dave Hughes, tuned out as soon as he started talking about COVID. When Dave Hughes talked about people saying mean things to him in his past, I tuned back in. When Arj Barker talked about weird little thoughts that he's had over the last year, I tuned back in because he is, at his core, a stoner. And Dave Hughes, at his core, is kind of a loser in life. But he's made it work for him. And it's because he's being authentic about himself, which is something that everybody can work towards and move towards. And even if there is a bottom 10%, it's, it's still an optimistic message because it's still people rising, theoretically, in this world. If there is a bottom 10%, it's kind of like being at the bottom of 10% of society now so much better than being at the bottom 10% of society in the Middle Ages, you know? Like, the standard of living has just increased for everyone. Sure, depending on... Yeah, okay, in terms of just material conditions, yes. Probably even in terms of character conditions. In some ways, they'd probably be a lot more innocent and pure to be around, but they'd also probably be a lot more violent, a lot more unhygienic. They probably wouldn't be as charismatic. They'd probably be kind of like sweet and naive and maybe like a bit more accommodating or something. But, yeah, like those things would go. Don't you think there'd be some societies that maybe don't have the same material economic conditions that our current society has, but you could measure the bottom 10% sense of self-worth, dignity, happiness, and that would still be better than the... And I'm talking about 10% in terms of hierarchy and, and status, and that would still uh, be g- greater than the, the, those same measurements of the bottom 10% in, in this current given society? Well, yes, I think they do measure that, and I think that generally, yes, poorer countries are better off than we are in terms of happiness and poverty. Yeah. But again, that's another way of measuring yeah, yeah. life experience. Yeah, plenty right? of ways to measure. Those so in their things. society, they are happier. They're enjoying life more than we are. That's probably awesome. There's actually many a time where I always think we're like, you know what, living in a favela apart from the endless rapes and gangs and stuff like that, they're living life more than we are in our self-contained little apartments writing scripts all day. Do you think there's a way to... Okay, so we can talk... There's there's a significant conversation about better equalising economic inequality, better equalising opportunity inequality, but is there a way to better, I guess, socialise the consequences of status inequality? Ah, okay. All right, so that's where it is. Okay, so status inequality. Is there a way to... Yes, yes, there absolutely is. But the problem is, this is something about living in a large society. I think religion does it. Yes, it does. Religion does do it. That is an institution that is kind of built in to do exactly... You're right, that does help. In lieu of religion, though, this is always the case. Anytime you ever read any anthropological book about a tribe they always say the same thing yeah okay there's an alpha male and there's like a you know council of women i suppose who appoint who the alpha male is it's a very primate thing that that was just common in most you know ap societies but like everyone has their place 
even those the places bottom are... of the barrel, uh-huh. it like has its place, is respected in the community, yeah, and okay. it might not be making the decisions or anything like that. But when it's sick, like other apes will help it out and they'll give it food and things, and it's like. It's like the same thing actually with dogs. Dogs hate it when you're not in control. Like they hate it when they're just trying to figure out who's uh-huh, uh-huh. In, in control and things like that. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. So do they have a much more collectivist consciousness in that they don't see themselves as an individual part of a of a tribe and they're a lower status individual. They're just part of a tribe and they're one cog of that and they would have a lot more value than us, for instance, right? Like they would be much more valued within that tribe, and they and and they would probably feel a lot more included than most people in our society feel yeah. today. Like even if you're at the bottom of it, yeah. Well, because well, Western society, especially Western society now, is the exception to the norm. It's a very it's very atomized right now. It was always individualistic, but uh, and that particularly is that, like, so right now. But see, this is the whole thing. Like, I think this is why, and this is why you just see it on the net all the time. You see things like status being described constantly, and then, like there's so many, uh, you know, hustle nomics teachers talking about status, and it's like, dude, they're, they're, well, they're right. What they're talking about is correct. But the thing is, in those societies, they would agree, they would accept it. But they wouldn't be anxious about it. They wouldn't be uh, constantly thinking about it. They'd just be like, yeah, I'm at the bottom of the barrel, but it's pretty cool being here. They probably wouldn't even see themselves as the bottom of the barrel because, they're, they're, again, they're just one part of a whole. But then I wonder if, okay, the anxiety from being low on any, any given status hierarchy can actually be, weaponized is the right word, but can be sort of, utilized in it, to uh the 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 ubiquitous anxiety that someone who is low status is continuously feeling is motivation to in an ideal in the in the sort of ideal conception of this world maybe it's like it's motivation to not only better themselves but when you're that, when there's just like a in a in a society of ten million, there's one million who are in that bottom ten percent. All of that motivation of them is what is actually the the like driving engine for the society to become more productive, to become more efficient, etc., etc. And just the 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 social and the emotional consequences of that, I think, are very brutal. And I think when I say this on every podcast, but when you couple uh, liberalism or capitalism with a strong ethical code like Christianity that that one of the the foundational principles of that is that everyone is equal under the eyes of God you then that is a boon against much of the uh, anxiety and the negative consequences of inequality of status massively but it's also yes you're thinking about it from the idea perspective but it's also just the fact that you actually are part of a community that also like massively reduces status anxiety Mm. it's the exact opposite of the atomization and yes okay i think that that ideology would definitely tie into it 
But there is a feeling of belonging whenever you go into a church, even if you aren't a Christian, even if you aren't a Muslim and you walk into a church. Like there's an immediate feeling that you're part of something. I think that cultural socialization of status inequality is more effective in create, in fostering a harmonious society than I would either, this might be quite bold, but then uh, going to the nth degree in trying to foster equality of opportunity because there's a, there's a sort of diminishing returns there, I think. I think we should be, stri- I'm not saying don't, tr- society shouldn't be trying to foster uh, equality of opportunity, but I think when you if you do foster as much equality of opportunity it probably will be short-lived because then there will still be people who perform far better than others with that same opportunity and just create more inequality again and so there probably needs to be just like some reasonable level of uh redistributing the the consequences of that uh whether they're economic but also uh opportunity based in the sense that you know people who are are high in ability like i said before will probably partner up with other people who are higher in ability and their children will just have a much greater opportunity than the children who are who are the spawn of people who are low in ability (laughs) so you can equalize that opportunity for like one or two generations and i think it'll just trend towards inequality again so if there's just some like reasonable measures in place to try and equalize the opportunity for the next generation as much as possible, and there, but there's a limit to that because then it gets to a point where you're just sort of be, it's becoming a bit futile. But there's a there's a sort of cultural measure in place to equalize inequality of status or the consequences of inequality of status. That is more potent and effective in creating a, in, in cultivating a harmonious society. I think I'll well, say that. Fumbled yeah, around that know, a bit. Yeah, harmonious in the words of like, the, I reckon the satisfaction of society would go up massively. Like, people would be a lot happier if that was the case, for sure. Yeah. Honestly, my argument every time it ever comes to social, you know, equalizing opportunity, it's, it's purely economic and in terms of just, yeah, it's economic. It's just like, a, a, a huge underutilization of brain power that is going to waste every generation that you want to harness. I'm yeah, but and I'm not, not arguing against happiness. that. Um, but it's, I'm, not, it's not about happiness. I'm, Yours is about happiness. Not just happiness, but I'm just I'm just saying like, what do you do? Because it's not like you can equalize opportunity once and then that's it. You, you you're constantly having to equalize the opportunity because when you equalize opportunity, there will be a, a huge inequality in the results that come from that equal opportunity. You see what I'm? Do you... like in terms of okay? Even if you give everybody uh, access to good teachers and good uh, staff support when they're like learning in education, there's still going to be people that are going to excel massively, massively yeah, compared to others. Definitely, but and then and then no, and then the next step from that is the people who will excel will will be drawn towards other people who excel. They have children who are then probably going to be you know are going to excel a lot more because they grow up in a culture of achievement or I don't know, whatever you want to call it. And similarly, the people who were in the lower rungs of that society, which was equalized for opportunity, will then uh, bring children into the world that don't have the same advantages and opportunities as the people who had excelled 
And so then the, the, the opportunity becomes unequal again in just one... You know, I wouldn't even go so far as the generation. In a matter of years, there'd probably be like a, a group that come together of high like ability. Or are you, but, about, but, are you talking about status opportunity? But, I mean, status, but. Yes. Well, look, the economic opportunity, I think it would actually be more equalised for longer if more people came from new money as opposed to just generations of, as we were always talking about, like stagnation of wealth is a truly important thing. Mm. Uh, if people remember their roots and they came from humble beginnings, they'll, re- they'll have obviously more of a thought of like, no, I want to preserve those institutions that gave me the opportunity to excel. That's certainly true. But, man, to actually add to that point, again, we've got to bring everything back to the Byzantines, but when Rome, the capital moved from Rome to Constantinople, what happened was there was a big reason for it, apart from the fact that it was just defensively superior and impenetrable, to put it there. But the other thing was that Emperor Constantine realised, if I'm going to keep this empire together, I can't be held down by the old aristocracy that controls things in Rome, like they control the bureaucracy, they controlled all the organs of governing. And so he went to Constantinople, set it up, and then said, come over here and I'll give you all your titles and positions. And then there was a bunch of aristocrats that were comfortable there just controlling Italy because they had all the farms and everything set up there. And so they didn't want to go, but there was all these ambitious people underneath that went over to Constantinople. And then that became the capital. And because it was this new, fresh blood of people that were there because of their ability and were able to climb because of their ability. They weren't bogged down by, like, family title and all this stuff. That is why the East Roman Empire survived longer than the West Roman Empire. It's because there was fresh blood in it. Wouldn't there were people that were there because of ability? Sure, but then, then don't you think the children of that... Well, I mean, it survived for a very long time, but, like, okay, what happened to the children of that new arist- aristocratic class? They would have had better opportunities than... The average person, right? Yep. And then there was that obvious back and forward, but it was always sewn into that society, other than the old ways of Rome, it was much more sewn into uh, Constantinople, this, this idea that you can be from the slums of Constantinople and become the emperor, or you can become a migrant from somewhere in, you know, Asia Minor or something like that, come to Constantinople and you can become an emperor or you can raise your way up through the bureaucracy or through the army. That idea was there that was not there in Rome. And it is because it was founded off of new money, as it were. People that were put there because of their natural abilities. So even if you have that idea that, yes, over time, things are going to... Uh, go back to the way that they were and there's going to be this hierarchy. Yes, that hierarchy will be there, but it will be a different hierarchy built off of people that had earned their position originally and obviously it will take time, but you're going to have like a few generations there of people understanding what it's like to come from nothing and move to something and it is going to make for a better society because it's just purely people that had earned the position. But wouldn't the kids? How can the how can that uh, idea still? Uh, sure, it's being it's being told to the kids, but the kids of the people who had achieved a lot in an equal society would then have an unequal and significant advantage. Yeah, because they're just born into a family, and the parents are high achievers. Now they'd probably have a genetic advantage because there'd be some. 
IQ and ability that is heritable, but also they'd be in an environment where uh, the parents are probably instilling certain little behaviours, maybe even unconsciously, that will help them in the long run. And yep. so there's an unequal there's a there's an unequal distribution of opportunity there already in the next generation. Yes, but it was less. The unequal opportunity was less so than it was in the previous uh, society because it was just stagnant for hundreds and hundreds of years at that point of just the same families putting in their right. So there was still much more uh, class mobility in Constantinople than there was in Rome. And pretty much existed like that until the very late stages of it. It was a much more mobile society than the rest of Europe. And so I think that that's exactly the same thing. It's just like even if you instill that idea into the population, that's a form of mobility in itself. Just Just a cultural idea idea that someone can come from nothing and and be what they want to be if they have the aptitude and the skills. Aptitude and skills, and also the fact that this was very instilled into Constantinople society as opposed to Roman society, that you should have institutions there that educate the population, which is why why the rest of Europe, uh, you know, the king of the Holy Roman Empire, the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, uh, couldn't read. Whereas in Constantinople, they think the literacy rate, oh, the, the, the Byzantine Empire, they think the literacy rate was like 40%. Mm-hmm. And it was because they believed in that idea that you should be able to, you should be bettering the circumstances of your society because it just benefits everybody on the whole. And the person that should be on the throne should be there because of merit. Now, it didn't always work out like that, obviously, but that was an idea that was heavily installed into the foundation of that empire. And so it's exactly the same thing, I think, when it comes to these kind of ideas. It's like, yes, okay, inequality is always going to exist. But if you have the general idea that you should be able to go to a public school and become prime minister of the country, that is a good thing to put into people's minds. And it's like, yeah, okay, there's always going to be people at the bottom, definitely. But you can raise the bottom and you can make the bottom more productive. So now, if you're in a society where there's nothing, a really good example of this is Newcastle, Wollongong, filled with meth heads. You go there, right? What is it when you go to fucking Newcastle? Newcastle feels like exactly what it is. It feels like a bunch of dickhead hipster uni students, and so does Wollongong, a bunch of dickhead hipster uni students, and meth heads. Didn't used to be like that. Not when the steelworks were working there. Not when the ports were big. There would have been gruff working class people, and there would have been not uni kids back then, but like there would have been a time when there would have been gruff workers and uni kids there. Those gruff people have turned into meth heads because there is no steelworks there anymore. So you can, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's just like that 10% can go down very, very far and have like much worse outcomes for their life. It's the same thing. It's just like, because they had something there to occupy themselves with, which was making steel, which gave them a good quality of life and also gave them a purpose in life. And then you take that away and it's just like, well, what have you got left? Myth. There you go. Uh-huh. You know? So it's just like, it's it's like, just because inevitably you're going to move towards, inevitably there's going to be people at the bottom. It's just like those people can still be utilized to do better and more productive things. 
And you should be moving towards that society. And that just comes with basic just economic investment in society as opposed to just hedge funds and shit like that. Like one of the most abhorrent things, just as while on this tangent, one of the most abhorrent things that I learned this week is that the New South Wales government has a New South Wales generational fund. Do you know what that is? That is public money from privatised institutions, things that used to employ people, things that used to be publicly owned and generate money. They privatised that, gave that to their mates, put this fucking money in a hedge fund in a hedge fund with public money, gambling with public money. It was going well in 2018 because the entire planet was going well in 2018. Now that it's not, we're losing money. And there's more debt repayment because other institutions are like, what the fuck is this casino that is getting run with public money? We want more money on our debts. But the thing is, in their mind, in the people, because it's again, liberals, they're entitled mind, all from eastern suburbs. They think, oh, well, that's how you make money. You just put it on the stock market instead of investing it into society and giving people purpose in life mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, creating things of tangible use. No, you put it in the stock market. That's how these people think. And that is a result of, again, not mm-hmm. fostering a society where you're moving people into the levers of power that actually deserve it. I yeah. totally agree with you there in that, okay, you can move the, the, the conditions of, I suppose, people are lower at the end of the, however you want to uh, measure the, the stratas in society, people at that lower end can still have an objectively better outcome in life and general conditions through investment. However, it, it won't, that doesn't avoid the fact that they're still in the bottom 10%. And there is still an emotional cost that will come with that. And there but will still be a long-term economic cost, cost with that. If, if you're in the emotional, like Newcastle, for example, yeah, yeah. the emotional cost of being in the bottom 10% now when you're a myth would be so much higher than the bottom rung of just being working at a steelworks. Like, yeah, okay, they, they might have some kind of status anxiety. As you said, they probably won't have that much status anxiety because they're around other people that are of their status. But their quality of life, like their happiness, must have been happier than being addicted to myth. Yeah, yeah, so it's like it's like there is some, especially when you get to the lower rungs as well. Like you know that whole thing of like when you earn over a hundred thousand dollars, it doesn't really matter. Like money just doesn't make any difference to your happiness after you have like a bit of expendable income. Yeah, there is some level of to you know giving people the basic necessities of life definitely does increase their happiness. That is definitely linked. I think definitely what you've, you've brought up that I never even thought about before is the fact that status is not linked to money. And there is a huge level of status anxiety now, just it's is always perpetuated by the net because you see people that are just millionaires for doing nothing. And then you see yourself and you're just like, well, I'm not a fucking BA of, I don't know, engineering. I'm never going to have that kind of lifestyle. So that obviously adds to that. And you're right that you need some kind of institution that replaces that. And you know what? Sadly, I don't see an outcome to that. I don't think that there's much that you could do about it. I think really the only thing you can do in this day and age is, is try and... And we're not even talking about level of playing fields as in like, give me your tax money and give it to these people and stuff like that. It's just like, no, just make corporations pay the taxes they're supposed to pay. That would make a huge difference to, you know... This money is getting spent by the government anyway. It's just getting spent on the stock market instead of building things like what we used to have in Australia, which was state-owned steelworks and things like that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally in agreement with you there. 
Um, so like, you know, it, the bottom 10% can get worse if you don't, yeah, so like I think, equal I think, the outcome. Sure, yeah, because like that that measure the uh, how unequal that distribution of wealth is is a huge factor in in the overall happiness and general quality of life, the overall society, not just the the people who are at the bottom. Yeah. And I think, man, I think honestly, oh, yeah, go on. I was just, I just think because I don't know, I know you're not arguing this at all, but I, did, I get this sense that some people promulgate this utopian idea that if everyone has the same or at least similar access to education and opportunity, then everyone can sort of live their dream and pursue their passion and live a very wholesome, happy life. And that's just not true. There's a limited amount of people who can actually pursue, I guess, their passion. And it depends what that passion is. It depends what that... It's just a very, like, career-focused... And it's a career-focused consciousness that doesn't take into account that there are other pursuits of meaning and happiness. And where I might even agree with you is I wonder if that's sort of, like, specifically designed by the, the corporate oligarchy or whatever you want to call it to, to get people to just be thinking about career, career, career more than anything rather than, like, community or, you know, people, I would guess, and I'm sure a lot of people do, but I, I, I would suspect less, that people would no would not find their deeper sense of meaning in work. They would be working in order to fulfil their deeper sense of meaning, which would have been family, most likely. Most likely. But now it, I, I'm guessing that more people are moving towards, okay, my deeper sense of meaning is work, is my, my job and my work. And yeah. Sad state of affairs, I've got to say. And you know what? There is definite uh, – There is that, that is not conspiracy. That is definitely true that, because people just realised in the 50s, why the fuck, like half of the population is not – producing anything of economic utility so we're going to start pushing women in the workforce now it's gotten to this place of just you know like female CEOs need female CEOs because I think it's again their ideology just kicking in without as Jordan Peterson always points out thinking that most women on earth do not want to be a CEO of a major corporation it, it would be five in each generation that have that as their dream it is not a female aspiration in life and as he's always saying like what is wrong with being a mum and there are so many women that they always say this as well because I'm at that age now where people are having kids you always hear this from women the baby gave me purpose in life that is a very common female trait and there is a concerted thing in society to just malign the idea that you should have a child. Now, unfortunately, I'm in a relationship with a type A woman that just just said just not being remotely interested in having children, <laughs> not remotely. And so that's that's you know that's a bad relationship for both of us to be in. But as you're saying, like I mean, you know, fostering a population is a pretty important part of having a society. Like you can't have a society if you don't have people in it. And that's hmm. honestly something like, and you know what else as well, as we've said previously on this podcast many times before, I think we come to the conclusion every now and then when we have more of our Freudian 
podcasts where we think, I think the best advantage you can have in life is a good mum. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's yeah, that's a, like a specific thing, like a cultural phenomenon that's occurring here. But but again, like this thing of just okay. like lowering the status. It's something yeah. that I truly do agree with with conservatives of this. This is the idea of lowering the status of a stay-at-home mum when it's actually like they would have to be the best mums because they're the most devoted to being a mum. They're just putting all their time into it. Well, a stay-at-home parent is a very thankless job. It's just pure micromanagement without any rewards. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like no days off and constantly everything. Oh, I'm going to make this dinner. I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to clean this. It's just a... Yeah, it must be horrible. It's, but it's, I, I suppose the reward comes, it's like a long, long-term reward of just yeah. investing and then seeing like an 18-year-old that is put together and wholesome and has some you know, social and emotional intelligence and some concept of community and things. Yeah. And yeah. I honestly do think that there is a huge link towards having, you know, that kind of a mum and then having that kind of a kid. Uh-huh. Well, there you go. I mean, there's an inequality of opportunity there, Marie, and you can't, you know, you can't change someone's mum or the parents that they've been, the hand that they've been dealt in that sense. No, and also on top of that, you're at a marked disadvantage, definitely, because that person is going to be like a very put-together human being, so then they're going to have put-together children. That's just going to go down the line. Mm. Definitely. And then what do people like I have? You just got to read a bunch of fucking childhood development psychology books. That's that's what you have to do. So, but, I like, yeah, that's that's another inequality that you can't hammer out. And I think, actually, now that you're, like, mentioning all of these things... It is actually opening me up to the thing that, like, it's, again, just everybody thinks about equality in this, this economic this capitalist yeah. way. Yeah. Really capitalist way. Just money. Well, that is actually the core of a lot of my argument because it's not, yeah, it's it's still even the what would be considered the, the no, I know we don't like that left, left-right thing, but the left-wing in it, Policies would be let, let's let's uh, let's foster an equal economic opportunity when there's other equalities of opportunity that you can be fostering there. Mm. It's definitely like in in modern society. Well, all throughout society, I think that it, it solves uh, yes. it solves quite a lot of the other. It actually it's it's Agreed. the one that solves yeah, yeah, yeah. most of the others. I think that, or like, goes some way to solving the others. Yes. But as you're saying, it's nowhere near. There's there's many many ways to measure uh, opportunity and equality. Many many ways. Well, I think you need to sort of actively work against the intrinsic human nature, because intrinsic human nature is. I don't believe in this blank slate thing where you okay we're all just formed by the culture and the society at large and we are to a great degree but there are universal human truths and one of which is like we're status driven we are hierarchical uh, there will be you know often one phenomenon will just sort of coalesce with the ability to garner more of that phenomenon whether it's power status money whatever it is if you already have that it is far 
easier to collect more of that. Mm. And the mm. only way, I think, to, to alleviate that or to just at least mitigate the, 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 the most dire consequences of that is to actively work against our own human nature and to just sort of practice behaviours and ideals that um, wouldn't sort of come to us naturally but have been bred into us through uh, a philosophy, a culture or a religion of not just altruism but sort of humility and radical altruism that can come with that. Yeah, and it's definitely something that is really exacerbated by the fact that we're no longer tribal. I really think that to someone else, like these concepts of status and leadership would be quite foreign. Like the, the, the way that we think about leadership is very, usually, is very, uh, you know, win-lose. You know, I'm on top, therefore you're at the bottom. Whereas I think in these kind of societies, there's a bit of like, I'm on top, but I'm also like moving the tribe in this direction. Even those kind of concepts are just a bit perverted. The way that like you, you the way that we even think about these ideas is just very washed in the society that we're in. I like something you said, I think it was, would have been last year now, but when you were talking about there are four main sort of, I guess, archetypes that you can that you can sort of categorize people into what what is it, the, the villain, the hero, the guy, and there's one more, I forgot what it was, but like everyone victim. should be moving yeah, the victim. Everyone should be moving towards the guy rather than the hero. I've thought about that a lot, and I think that is a very sort of easy to understand and and well it's simple in the in the way it, it, it's spoken about but it's complex in the action that would be necessary to actually manifest something like that but i think a lot of people would be better off if they if uh, well i think a lot of society would sort of overall be better off if uh, uh, people who are in that hero mentality move more towards a guide mentality massively Massively. Because they're two types of leadership, aren't they? Really? Yeah, well, I mean, the hero would be leading for themselves. And the guide would be leading for others. Leading for others. But the other thing, yes, that's definitely true on both ends. The other one is the hero would be leading blindly. Courageously, but blindly. Mm. Whereas the guide would be leading from wisdom. And so there is... See, this is the kind of thing that I'm talking about with a hierarchy, right? Like, a, I think hierarchies always exist. Ideally, what you should be moving towards is a hierarchy that's kind of like... That guy deserves to be on top. Yeah, you know? sure. And, like, everyone kind of just recognises that. I think it's... Virtually impossible to create it, like to, to get that to a point where it's perfectly equitable in the sense that okay, then the person who is on top will have children that have an advantage. Mm. Because even if they got to the top through um, their innate ability and their grit and their determination and their hard work, well, the people around them will have an advantage, particularly any children that they have. Mm. 
and it'd be very hard to sort of equalize that mm. Mm. because even then if you okay look education is the same and things like that all right like the, just the general environment that child is growing up in is a massive advantage Huge advantage. That is what is it? Advantage. It was like a child who doesn't, even if they don't read when they're in infancy, if they see that there are books in the house, they are more likely to have a much higher literacy rate and outperform kids who just don't have books in their house, regardless of whether they read them or not. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, but that's an advantage. Like that child, that four-year-old child didn't choose to, yeah, they didn't, they didn't, through any measure of hard work or determination, happened to be born into a household where the parents read books. That's just pure chance. And then there's also the genetic that, look, some people are just going to be smarter than other people. But see, this is what I'm saying as well, right? Like, okay. Sure, it's not just, yeah, it's not just... Everyone, okay, if, if we're going to say that there's different types of outcome, and I'm sorry, there's different types of equality, and there's different measurements for it, this is what I'm saying is that, yes, that's true, but that means that everybody does have advantages and disadvantages that can be fostered. How do you know they could... Do you think that's just a narrative where, like, all right, everyone has something that they they can foster that will uh, be a, a gift and they can excel in or do, do you yeah, think it's in just... in certain environments, for sure. Surely you, you don't think there are some people who, like, look, even what they might personally be the best at is still comparatively very low on the, any sort of scale of measurement in that given field. So they may be the best with their hands or even in what you were saying with, it, with their personality and their ability to create a good mood in a, in a social environment. But even then, when you compare that to other people, they're still quite bad at it. You don't it think there are people like that? People that are, that are uh, like, as in there's always going to be someone faster than you. Pretty much. Not only that, like, do, do, like whatever you might be innately gifted at compared to your other attributes, right? So, like, let's say we're just talking about academia here, right? Your best subject is maths. Mm. But then even then when you, when you compare your results to everyone else in the class or in the environment, you're still very low. You're still, you're still bad at maths. You don't think there are people like that out there that are just unlucky, so they're good at maths. No, they're not even... Well, it depends how you measure whether they're good at maths. Like they, Maths is their best subject, but they're still very low and they're in the bottom 10% of their class. Yes, okay, but this is what I'm saying. You're thinking inside the box, man. Like, at school, you get, what, 15, 30 subjects? There's so many more subjects than 30 subjects in the world. All the possible realms of competence, you don't think there are people out there that they're still going to suck. You think everyone has some kind of like unique special if, ability? If, if, if you are like, as I'm always saying as a provisor, like if, if there is like a mental problem with you, as in like... No, not necessarily a mental problem, just not... Here's the thing though, answer me this though. Do you know anyone like that? Do you know anyone that is honestly just bad at everything? Uh, depends bad how you're measuring it. Terrible personality. Has no special skill. No special interest. People, uh, I wouldn't say bad at everything, but uh, um, don't really excel in any 
in any observable way. See, this is what I think, though. I think it's because in a society there is only like a few... It's obviously like way freer than it has ever been in history because you have all these different tools available to like develop these things now. It, like us, classic example, neither of us probably would have careers if the internet didn't exist. But, uh, you know, when you're talking about people that are just doing menial tasks like working at a factory or being a janitor or something like that, there is still only a few limited roles because, you know, things are in buildings and things need electricity and whatever. So there's just a few certain boxes where it's like you can only do those things. But... This is the other thing, right? Like, there's so many of those jobs anyway. But there probably are people in a box factory that are better at assembling boxes than other people. So what do you say? So you're saying that there's a, that there's a limited amount, of, there's, a, there's a limited scope of actual freedom? There's a limited scope of actual freedom to actually, in a very hippie way, to actualize yourself. Hmm. In a society, because everything, again, is money, so everything has to just have some sort of economic utility. And in that society, you're going to have certain skills that are going to be more needed and valued even at a base level. Even like when we're talking about not things that are even abstract wealth, just at a base level, there's going to be things that are needed to be done. Hmm. Even when you come to a tribal society or something like that. But if you have like a, you know, you, you started... As, as we are going now into a digital age, I suppose, more scope for things to advance. Like, a, dude, a really good example of this. This is just a quick one. Autism. Autism, for a very long period in human history, would be a huge mark against you because all throughout history, you've always had to be in some kind of, like, group to achieve anything. And if you had no social skills, you'd just be relegated to nothing now autism is probably the thing that you would beg your child to have because autism means that you can make fucking apps that no one else could ever make so it's just like the the advantage has shifted to them so like it's also time specific as to what like is needed in a society and what has money and all this kind of stuff but it's still it's still at the end of the day there'll there'll be a statistical reality i think that, that there'll just be some people who are who will just be at the bottom of any given hierarchy if this it, let's, it, yeah, in but, this hierarchy it would be you know economic utility or just capability to harness one's potential and provide output for the society but i would always say that those people that are at the bottom it would be because of some mental cognition they would be a little bit mentally retarded at the little at the <laughs> I least. don't know man like I- and, and then the you know, people that aren't, they could be saved. That's what I'm saying. That you could find a utility for them if they had a functioning brain. You could find something for them to do. But if they had something like they were drug fucked or they were just born low intelligence, yes. But, you know, that like born, you're, you're getting very... Born uh, low intelligence, I mean, depending how you're measuring that then, because it's like, what, the bottom 10%? That's like millions of people. Yeah. But they will be... At the bottom. People, yeah. They they will be at the bottom. And I I think that there's nothing really you can do other than, you know, things like the NDIS or something like that. 
you, 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 you can create carers. But this is the other thing, right? The economic utility of people. This is the other thing that I think is like quite sad. These people aren't even asking for money, but this was a real waste of the Liberal Party's thing is people come up to me every now and then. They're just like, I'm on the dole. And it's like, what did you used to do? And they were always just like, I wanted to be a carer for the elderly or I wanted to be a carer for disabled people. And that's their skill in life. They can tolerate, because it's like a very demanding job being in charge of someone who's disabled. But there is an economic utility for that person if you make it an economic utility. Mm, okay, so then I guess with more caring, care-based and compassion-based professions, there's less of that pronounced hierarchy then. I'm sure there'd still be people in the position of status and whatnot, but there's, there's, you know, there's a ceiling to how competent you can, you can, competency probably isn't even the right word. You just have to be an adequate carer and then. Oh no, there'd be no one. Because you can talk to these people and they'll just be like, this carer's fucking terrible at their job. They don't do the basics. Right. And then there'd be somebody else that just really excels and like is so good at caring for the disabled person that they teach them skills that they thought was impossible to teach them. Right, yeah. There'd be that kind of competency. Sure, sure, sure. There's still competency in these realms. So like, yeah, I think that like, uh, man, if anything, what I'm thinking now is it's even more multifaceted. It's 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 even more multifaceted than what like you were telling me it was at the beginning. How like, so? Like you, you just opened. Okay, so I just I thought about this at the beginning, just being like, this is just about money. No, that wasn't one of. No, no, was I like, was thinking that. Right, right, right. Then you came along, and then you were just like, there's all these other levels of competency and like measurements of it. And then if you think about it even further than that, it's kind of just like you can expand that out even further and just be like, yeah, but it's not just about money, but it's also not just about these several key areas. And if you are – look, I'm, I'm actually kind of just really, now that I think about it, really arguing what Stein is arguing. That's pretty much the point of Steiner education as opposed to public school education, which is – you know, public school education is just let's make economic options better for everybody so that everybody can kind of, if there's a smart person that grew up in Penrith and it wasn't their fault, then they should have the ability to go and get like a high paying job in the CBD or whatever. Um, but then Steiner is kind of just like, yeah, but there's like every human being is different. And, you know, maybe the structure of looking at things economically altogether is not a good way of looking at something. And maybe they do have some kind of, like, interest, uh, some some kind of, like, thing. Because, like, dude, a lot of big discoveries throughout history have been made from absolute crackpots that, you know, people would have thought at the time were insane and retarded. Like, a really good example of that is, like, Socrates or something. I think it was Socrates. Yeah, but that's always, like, you can't just... I think that's far and few in between. I think the most people who are crackpots are just crackpots. There's always that, you know, oh, Einstein, people thought Einstein was retarded or whatever. But, yeah, but the most people that at that age where people sort of observe they might be retarded are probably retarded. I don't think they're all Einsteins waiting to be discovered. No, Christ no. But the thing is, before Einstein or before Socrates, th- th- that discipline just didn't exist. 
I think it was Socrates. Look, my, my, my grasp of philosophy is terrible, right? But like someone in ancient Greece, I think it was Socrates, just homeless, everyone thought he was a psycho, came up with the discipline of philosophy. They've been evolved into science. I don't think that was Socrates. It started with a H, I think. But yeah, I also don't know. But Oh, you might be right. But that guy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just for argument's sake, that guy spawned mm. entire disciplines that are just reading throughout the ages. But obviously, by the fact that he was walking around like a homeless man, there was no economic utility for him. There was no utility for him. He was not in the hierarchy. Everyone just thought he was insane and didn't want to talk to him. So I guess then, okay, is the question, all right, there, are the people who are considered at the bottom in quotation marks at the bottom because society doesn't offer them the opportunity or is it just a sort of inevitable fact that there will be people always at the bottom and we should, rather than trying to sort of restructure society to an inordinate degree. I mean, I agree with you to a reasonable degree, without a doubt, like that whatever it is, that, that seventy or $100,000 where uh, statistic where people then, like happiness is no longer correlated to income. I agree with you there. But do we need to then start thinking about, all right, there's always going to be people at the bottom. Let's think about other ways that they can feel included rather than just assuming, oh, look, if we can restructure society and offer different opportunities, they'll be actualized and they'll find their purpose in, in, in work or in, in, you know, whatever their aptitudes may be. I think they might just, maybe I'm cynical, but they're just, I don't, I don't agree with you in saying that every human being has their, like this unique ability that if fostered correctly can amount to something amazing. But why not? Because everybody does have a unique set of traits. So in a specific environment, they're going to like excel in that specific environment. And that specific environment, like with the autism thing, might not exist in our time. I don't think they always will excel, no, because there may be people, because they might be, they're just not a gift that, they're just not meant to excel. Even at the thing that they're, coming back to that, okay, coming back to that. I'm not saying like an economic utility. Like it has no economic utility, none. Hmm. Say they're just really good at, organizing buttons maybe that has some economic there'd be people will there be of all the people who are good at organizing buttons there will still be a bottom 10 percent of all the people who are innately good at organizing buttons you know that's their gift you collect them all you put them in a room they'd still be the the one who is the shittest at organizing buttons yes yes now that one that is the shittest at organizing buttons is probably good at something else that's what i'm saying no, I don't. I, well, so I you disagree. reckon it's just people I, that are just going to be, yes, always like no matter what the task is. I suppose actually, look. Yes, now I this, do. Yeah, but that see now now it just comes back to intelligence, which is like an overarching organization of things, which is kind of just like one way of really organizing anything. Yeah, you could make that, yeah. I mean, there's a, there, there might be just whatever the field you put a highly intelligent person in, they will find a way to excel. Potentially, yeah. But I'm saying that because there might be those people who are just always at the bottom, I think there's just a, it's very worthwhile for society to think about how to you know, reconcile with the, the, the emotional and social consequences of that. 
and not just think economically in terms of, all right, if they were given the right opportunities and, and society was restructured economically to foster whatever their talents may be, then they can not be at the bottom. I, I, I disagree with that. I think if, if there's, you know, more of an incentive for people to act in a way that allows those people at the bottom to feel like they have a certain amount, of, like, like a, a, just a common sense of dignity, I think that's something that's more fruitful for society than just, all right, well, how can we restructure the economic incentives of society to give everyone, a, a, you know, dignity in work? Does that make sense? But see, this is the thing. Now, whenever you're talking about, like, the bottom 10%, all I'm thinking about is people that are disabled. No, I don't... See, it, okay, well, you know, how do you define disabled or whatever? But, no, I, I think there are also people who are just just not gifted at anything. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm saying I'm not saying that in a way that's trying to malign them. The whole point of this podcast is I'm trying to think of ways that society can actually better include them. But I don't think I think it might be utopian to 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 believe that every human even even regardless of disability or not has these unique gifts that it's 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 society's responsibility to help foster them i, I think no i think they're just some people no, 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 who no, are dumb no, no, now i don't think it's no i don't at that point i don't think it's society's responsibility if you have a unique talent that is your ability that's purely on you to foster that mm. and if you look maybe actually look even then again i think that the thing this is what I'll always come back to in any of these conversations. If you want to talk about anything like when you're talking about anything to do with the quality of society, give me a society that has a good public education system at a bare minimum. After that, I'm pretty much open to anything else. But you want to talk about like a quality of opportunity agree, or anything like agree. that, it has to start with public schools. Like that's the bare minimum. Agreed, that, agreed. I would also just add that, you know, it's also the, like the culture of what, you know, what is being taught in the public school. It's not just let's just pour resources into the into the public school system. I think there's just more details I'd want to, you know, hash out before I'm completely like 100% on board. But the, the general idea that, you know, public education is a good thing, totally on board with that. I'm a product of public but, education. Like this. Yeah, I know. But like the thing is that like... It, it, you know, if, if your society doesn't even have that, which our society doesn't at the moment, like, everything else is kind of just moot. Agreed. Like, yeah, just agree. like you agree. can't really, you can't even begin to even measure it because it's just, it's not there to begin with. Yeah, I agree. You know? I would just say that even if, if we do have a, a very strong public education system, there, there will just still be some people that will always that won't have those inherent gifts or talents that they can foster. No, they won't have that, but they will have... No, I still but, think that they'll uh, have... They're, they're uh, not going to be the best. Right. They're not going to be the best in their field, but they're going to be good. No, I, I, I think that there'll be some people that will just, just never be good. everything. Yeah. Every, even personality, yes. everything. I think there will be... And I think that there's more than people actually realise. Maybe it's just maybe like this might be just a thing that because of the people in my life, I've just never well, met them. But like I, I'm trying to think of someone who's just not particularly good at something. It's hard. It's hard for me to think because like it's just like I think if you have like an average level of intelligence, 
you're going to be interested in something. You're not going to be the best at it. Mm. You're going to be good enough to produce some form of economic utility out of it. I agreed. And I also agree with you that in, in, in a lot of the people, maybe all of the people who might be considered in that, you know, bottom or not achieving their full potential need to be told, like, you know, it's a good, it's a good thing to continually uh, talk about. And it is on them to a certain degree to find what those talents are and, and try to make the most of it. But I still do believe, I just, I, maybe it's the people I hang around, I don't know. It's not even the people I hang around with. I think most of the people I hang around with are very, like, have, you know, unique talents and abilities and things like that. But, well, first of all, if this, what, what can we call them, dumb, class, dumb cunt class, look <laughs> at Say that that's a bit mean. Uh, Non-gifted class is as uh, significant as I maybe believe. They probably wouldn't be hanging out with you. They probably wouldn't be in our social circles. They probably wouldn't even be in our, uh, you know, tangential social circles. Yeah, Yeah. because there was something I read. Really good book, The Intelligence Trap. I don't know if it was from that book, but it might have been from something hinted at at that book. But you know professors or something like that they never have to deal with people who are in the bottom 50 percent of iq because like the only people they're dealing with whatever phd students who are already in like the top whatever percentage yeah and then you know maybe they have some like day-to-day interactions with some people who are like the you know working around the building or whatever but they never like so then they have a skewed perception of just how like how much aptitude each person has Mm. and it, what each person is capable of. Because mm. mm. especially like, I mean, you, what, you went to Newtown, you went in, you know, in a West where you've got a lot of people who are probably, uh, have grown up in a culture that is sort of, you know, lauded partying and drug use and things like that. And so there probably were a hell of a lot of gifted, talented people that just did not reach their potential because of the culture they were brought into. But, you know, I think there'd just also be people who, regardless of the culture, were just not gifted or talented in any given, in any really noticeable capacity. Mm. Okay, how does this play in, though? Like I've got a, f- got a friend. I've talked to him about it. I've talked to you about him before. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not going to go into specifics, obviously, but uh, th- there is a guy, and just everything. Yeah, he's he's not a success by any means. He's one of those ones that's just wasted millions of dollars. But like millions, millions, millions. Uh, but like Jesus. every chapter of his life is this unbelievable adventure and it's kind of just like him existing this is this is this is, this is uh, like this is again getting very steinery but like him existing and we're not talking about economic utility here mm. is Fascinating. The most fascinating man on earth. Intolerable to be around. 
moves everybody around him away, has no economic utility, negative economic utility, wastes millions. Uh, you know, doesn't really have any skills, kind of likes painting Warhammer, but not great at it. But like the situations that man gets into are endlessly hilarious, endlessly drawing, captivating. There's nothing more that I wish that I could turn it into a saga of stories that I could relay on my YouTube channel because it's just fascinating. But that that's right. the uti- economic utility that I'm using on him. But him personally has no economic utility, negative. Everything that is around him, he just like draws away from. But in, in, in terms of just being a fascinating entity, no one else. So is that a skill? Because it kind well, of is, right? A fascinating like it's entity your attention. Is... I don't know if that's a skill. But like, I'm telling you this now. Your eye could never be as engaging as that man is. Never, never. Because it's not like okay, well, the way that he speaks is okay. amazing. But yeah. like, no, no, but I'm just saying like the situations he gets into because of who, I don't know, just the way his brain works and stuff. Like, it's just really weird. Like he'll walk down the street and draw attention from like cops, even though he's not doing anything illegal. And that'll just be an amazing story. And that'll just be a day in his life. Or like he'll walk down the street and like pick a fight with 12 year old lads. And that'll be like an amazing story of his life. Like it's just, he's able to do that. No one else I know gets Mm. into these weird, bizarre situations. So I would never argue that that person lacks value or anything like that. I guess I don't know if restructuring society to not prioritize economic utility would necessarily allow that person to uh, feel a different way about themselves. I don't even know how they feel about themselves. It sounds like he might be having a good time. But uh, I think that just having a narrow focus of, oh, if we can restructure society in a way to sort of not consider economic utility to be the be-all and end-all, and uh, if, we, if, if we can equalise some of those economic opportunities, those sorts of people would live a more fulfilling life and, and contribute more to that different kind of society. Maybe for that individual case, sure, but I still just think there will be some people who even then might not be able to contribute to a very significant degree and as a result the hierarchy might exist and there needs to be some other form of like mitigating against the inequality that comes from that hierarchy um so i think again it's going back to economic utility no what like it has to go back to economic utility even in that case it still has to inevitably move back to economic utility right and so that's why they would be at the bottom do you think do you think that there's just okay coming back to like all right the variability in intelligence maybe whatever is prioritized in the society let's say it's not economic utility it's something else whatever it is xyz the people who are just sort of very capable of providing more economic utility have the brain power to just provide whatever more to that same degree when the society prioritizes xyz do you think they're just like inherent inherently gifted people and whatever the society might prioritize they can sort of mold their you know way of thinking 
to uh, excel in that given society? Or do you think that if society is restructured in a way, there will be other people who can then, you know, it, maybe everyone can be can reach self-actualization and everyone can receive some form of... Uh, have have their own little gifts and that can be fostered in a different society. I think, I think now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, it's not, no, no. But it could be just the same thing as the public school thing where it's kind of just like public schools are there to just sort of make the, it's never going to be equal opportunity ever. You should just get it out of your head, but it, it, it improves the chances of it. And yeah. maybe it's the same thing with just society at large. Hmm. Maybe it's just a thing of like, you're never going to get there. You're never going to get there. And I'm not saying that that guy should be, you know, economically rewarded or, or rewarded in status or whatever measurement you want to be using for it. But maybe like our our understanding of what is a skill and what is useful even if we're just agreeing that that isn't useful maybe that's just too fucking narrow too maybe it's all too narrow but what comes first our idea of what is a skill or people who can produce a lot for a community and a tribe and then our idea of what is a skill adapts to that that's what it must be. Would have to be that, wouldn't it? Like that's. You'd think so, yeah. You'd think that's the case. But maybe if but, you're in a society you know, that's just like, if if you're not, if you're not allowing for skills that have no economic utility now, to not have economic utility until they have economic utility probably wasting a lot of human potential just in that probably yeah no that that's fair because look yeah like you say throughout history there would the what may not have immediate financial rewards or you know even immediate obvious you know of a, of a demonstrable impact positive impact may have some positive impact in the long run in in the way that we just can't even comprehend at this stage but that's not like I don't think that sort of precludes what I'm suggesting. I just think you can still allow people to 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 live that you know live different ways of their life, like a different way of being, and and experiment and and whatever do like what your friend is doing. Although, like, yes, there's a cost to society there, but you know, I guess if we've got people who are maybe helping people like that it it offsets that mm, hang on a minute yeah um it's really weird yeah, about this it's yeah, like it's actually it's, like way it's it's like it's way more at the very least at the very least it's way more expansive than you originally give it credit for. Yeah, that's for sure. Like way more expansive. That's for sure. Mm. Well, you, you start with thinking about money, then you say, no, it's not about money. Then you realize actually even that's about money. 
And so you have to move further and further. You've got to start getting more and more abstract. Yeah, but then, yeah, because then you can immediately go like, all right, well, what is money? It's a measure of value. And when you say economic utility, it is just utility because that's how we measure value. And so... But then you also have to accommodate for the fact that, like, a lot of the time it doesn't measure fucking economic utility at all. Sometimes it just measures a complete waste and is just there. Well, like the day trading and real estate or whatever. Day trading, real estate. Like, okay, well, uh, you know, another certain politician, for instance, their skill in life seems to be rorting money from the public system. It's not helpful at all to society. It's like extremely detrimental. Right, and then but a they society just, that's like a millionaire reward. from it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. And it's just this kind of thing of like, okay, even if you're sitting there and saying, all right, well, you, you have to just put into everybody's minds that where they are is where they are and that's okay uh, because you're part of like some other institution like a religion or something that makes you feel included. I still think that, yes, it's true. It, it would make people happier probably, but I think that it would also... waste human potential even from not an economic standpoint how so because if you're just saying you're okay where you are it doesn't matter this is something that i always freaks me out about religious people there's a lot that i admire about religious people but one thing that scares me about their psychology is this idea that god has a plan fine so okay right, right, do we do yeah. anything about climate change no because if, if god wants the world to boil over god wants the world to boil over you know like they they have that as their underlying thought because they have this idea that everything is just the way it is and that's fine. Mm. And so even in that situation, I think that you're right, it would definitely improve things, but I think it's kind of like the same thing as making everything a public school. It's like it would improve things. It doesn't solve things. Yeah, that's a good point. Um In allowing people who are maybe at whatever the, the society deems to be the bottom to feel a greater sense of dignity and inclusion, how does that then impact the ability for other people in other, in other uh, positions in that society to not fulfill their full potential? It has to all be in balance. There's probably like a moderate version of a given creed that says, you know, all humans are equal under God or whatever it may be. It doesn't even have to just be that religion. It can just be, you know, basic tenets of almost a- any religion, which is like, you know, look after the poor and the needy and, like, everyone is the same. Everyone has equal worth, right? doesn't matter how much money you have. But then does that ever become bastardized where, you know, rich people are just assumed to be evil and, and you know, no one actually is encouraged to work hard because... It's just assumed that, like, by, you know, you can then divulge into, like, a very bad version of, I guess, tall poppy syndrome in that sense. And then it also could create a sense of entitlement the other way where it's like, all right, we're trying to equalise economic utility. Oh, the only reason I'm not at the the level that my colleague is is because I wasn't given the same opportunities. It's, 
yeah, that could be the case, or it could be that you know your colleague either just has some inherent gifts that you unfortunately don't have, or they yeah they worked harder. It's even like the the capacity to work hard. You could argue there are just environmental factors that influence that, and it's actually out of one's control. And fuck, you could even get into like all right, free will and all that. So all right, anyway, I feel like. <laughs> That's a weird one, that's man. That's, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a one that's just like, God, there's so many doors you can go down. Yeah. Well, that was a good door there. Yeah. I liked that one. Like, it was just... It's not often that you you you, you, you come to a conclusion that it's just like, you, you really can't. There's a limited scope to what you can do, I think. Because, like you said, yeah, there's there's a limit, there's an amount to invest into just like institutional, uh, in into certain institutions that are fostering yes, what economic equality that is advantageous. Now, maybe there's a there's a ceiling to that where it then no longer becomes advantageous and it becomes what many would say is authoritarian or too obsessed about equity over equality but then at the same time i think there are other measures of that inequality like inequality of status and just inequality of ability that need to be accounted for Mm. to to conclude i I suppose Mm. but anyway thanks for coming on that journey thank you yeah appreciate it Hey, if I, you guys have if you guys have any books about what we were just talking about, let me know. Yeah, me too. And I didn't do the sponsors at the start. And oh. as we got into the conversation, I thought, oh, I can't break this this up with the with some sponsors. So look, I'm gonna put the sponsors at the end. So you know what? Look, if you want to, you can you can you can end the podcast now. But look, it supports the podcast if you're listening <laughs> to these. So <laughs> I'm about to talk no about to listen, no. premature ejaculation. This is funny. No! They should listen to this. Okay. Holy shit. Okay. All right. <laughs> Look, there's inequality ability in, of ability in the in the ability to maintain an erection. No, to 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 not come. And if you are in the bottom ten percent of that uh, hierarchy, you need to get steady, Freddy. Go to steadyfreddy.com. This is funny. Steadyfriendly.com. Use the code Neil Jordan. You get 15% off. They, uh, their famous delay spray. Got a just few sprays on the old, uh, on the old penis and you won't come early. And a lot of men do suffer from that. It's not just the bottom 10%. It's estimated one third of men have some form of premature ejaculation. Uh, they've also got condoms, wet wipes, ball boost tablets. Yeah. yeah great. So if you want to be in the top 10% of, of balls, of ball health, get yourself some ball boost tablets. And as always, uh, read all the labels. If you have any underlying health conditions, make sure you consult a, a doctor before using any of these products. Um, but uh, we'll be tried and tested. You can go and check them, check it all out on their website, steadyfreddy.com, and use that code, Neil Jordan. And we're also sponsored by Crush Organics. Crush with a K. Use the code, Neil. You get 40% off. CBD oil, um, try the platinum oil. It's great. Long time user now. So uh, get yourself some Crush Organics 
CBD oil. You can also get their their pain cream, their CBD oil for their pets. Use the code Neil on that one, N-E-E-L. You get 40% off. And uh, if you want to send in a question, a topic, a shout-out, neilkohacker.com slash podcasts, all that money goes to charity. Um, come see us live. And that was a great way to end that one. I think that was... I liked it. <laughs> I was a big fan. <laughs> Me too. Great way to end it. Uh, thanks so much for listening. And, uh, yeah, I guess just to <laughs> sum that up. Look, as the only concrete conclusion we came to at the end of that podcast, you can always improve things. So yep. if you are if you are like a pathetic in the ejaculation field, like it's no excuse. Right? You, you can always pr- improve things, but I don't think you can ever achieve perfection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's going to be someone better than you. And in trying to aim to that perfection, you'll get to a point where you're improving, 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 and then may- maybe making things worse. All right. See you. End scene. Thanks, guys. See you next time.